And because we're getting a little bit of a late start on this, and that's okay, because what we did with, for the persecuted church is important, but I'm going to try to abbreviate a couple of things here. So we're going to forego the scripture reading that we normally do. Okay, we can pass through those slides. And I have an introduction at my sermon that, you know, I always start with some kind of introduction. We're going to skip the introduction today. We're just going to go right to it, okay? And uh, so um, I just want to, the context is important, that we can't skip the context, all right? And uh, so just to remind you about the context, we're in Revelation chapter 5. That's where we are today. You can put the title slide up if you want to do that, Rebecca. That's it. The Worship of the Lamb, part 2. And uh, we're in Revelation chapter 5. And the context here is this vision that John has been given of the throne room of God where God is sitting on the throne and he's described in terms of brilliant light. And then uh, around the throne there are uh, four living beings and we, we understand those to be an order of angelic beings. And then, and then outside of those there are 24 elders uh, sitting on thrones and we understood those to also be an order of angelic beings. And uh, and, and then we see uh, in this vision, John sees in the, in the right hand of God sitting on the throne, there's a scroll, okay? And this scroll takes on just huge, enormous significance. And it has, it's sealed with seven seals on this scroll. And an angel cries out, you know, who is there to open the scroll? And in all of creation, no one is able to open the scroll, now, what's the significance of this? Well, the scroll really is, the contents of the scroll is God's purposes and conclusions for this world, how God's going to bring it all to his conclusion. The judgment of God, the defeat of, of Satan, of sin and death, and the establishment of his kingdom. That's, in essence, what's on this scroll. Okay, it's been sealed with seven seals, indicating that it's been kept a secret, so to speak, not to be opened until the end of time. And if there is no one who is able to open the scroll, to break the seals and open it, then that means that God's purposes have been defeated for this world. His kingdom will not come. And so... When the angel says there's no one to open the scroll, John starts weeping. Why? Because God's kingdom will never come to this world. His plans have been defeated. But then the angel says, stop weeping, John. There is one who can do it, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the descendant of David, the Messiah. And then John more than likely expects to see this lion come into this vision. But what does he see instead? He sees a lamb slain, a sacrificial lamb, most likely slain with the evidence of his throat having been cut. But he's not dead. He's standing. He's alive. Speaking of Jesus who died as the sacrificial lamb, but who triumphed over death and is standing and is alive. And so John sees this vision. In this vision, he sees this lamb standing, and the lamb goes up to the one sitting on the throne and takes the scroll from his hand. And that's where, we, that's where we pick up. That's what we covered last week. That's the context. And that's where we pick up today in verse 8. 
Roma, uh, Romans, <laughs> Revelation chapter 5, we're going to begin at verse 8, okay? The lamb takes a scroll, and he came up, and he took it out of the hand of him who sat on the throne, verse 7, and now verse 8, and when he had taken the book, or the scroll, this is a huge deal, when the lamb takes the scroll. How do we know it's of such importance? Because of the response that ensues in the following verses that we're going to look at this morning when all creation breaks out in praise and adoration to the Lamb because he takes the scroll. When he, has, when he had taken the scroll from the hand of the one who sits on the throne. So what does it mean to when the Lamb has taken the scroll? It means that the Lamb is assuming for himself the prerogative to break the seals and open the book. This means that he is going to carry out and implement and fulfill all that is written on the scroll. He's going to do it. He takes the scroll to himself because he is able and worthy to open it. And so it means that God will intervene and bring history to his conclusion. As unlikely as it may seem, the seemingly insurmountable powers of sin and evil and death will be defeated because the Lamb is going to open the scroll and, and, and fulfill the contents of the scroll himself. The kingdom of God will come to this world. And the sovereign God on the throne gives the scroll to the Lamb and thereby authorizes him to carry out the plan for the end of this world and the establishment of God's kingdom. This is huge when the Lamb takes the scroll. And that's really the message and the point of this vision. As it was given to John, and as John shares it with us, the message is that Jesus as the Lamb, as the Lamb, the slain Lamb, has defeated sin and death. But as the Lion of Judah, he has the power and authority to rule over creation because he is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And therefore, as powerful as the world system seems to be, and as absent as God appears to be sometimes, appears to be as the nations of the world seem to be on a collision course for the destruction of the planet, We know from this vision that God's plan for the world, God's plan for mankind will be fulfilled. That's what we know from this vision. And that's why all creation breaks out in praise to the Lamb. All right, let's look at that response. And that's really the remainder of this chapter from verse 8 to 14 describes the praise and worship of the Lamb of God on His throne and God on His throne. And it's really described in terms of three groups, concentric circles, if you will, beginning closest to the throne. The first group represents the four living beings and the 24 elders. They begin the praise. The second group, then, the angelic host joins in in praise. And the third group, then, is the entirety of creation that joins in praise of the Lamb. Let's look at the first group, those around the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each one having a harp and golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. The first thing to note again is that the universal worship that virtually, literally erupts does so 
Because the Lamb has taken the scroll. When He has taken the scroll, then four living beings and the 24 elders fall on their faces and give worship to the Lamb. <clears throat> now, where exactly is the Lamb in this picture at this point? Some would say that, well, the Lamb is on the throne Himself. But I think we, we don't have any indication of that. And, and, and it seems to speak of the, the one on the throne and the Lamb. And, and in Scripture, most of the time, when it refers to Jesus, he is at the right hand of the throne of God. So we would assume that the Lamb has taken his place now, having received the scroll, has taken his place at the right hand position of the throne. And we are told that each one, that is, of the 24 elders, is, they're holding, each one is holding some objects. The first is a harp. Each one has a harp. And this may be where we get that mistaken idea that we're all going to play harps in heaven. <laughs> but a harp is not the harp that we normally think of, you know, the large instrument, you know, with all the string. The harp here is really a lyre. It's, it's a smaller instrument of 10 or 12 strings that can be held and played by one individual. And it was often used in the Old Testament to accompany the singing of the psalms. Okay? It's, it's mentioned frequently in the Old Testament. And, uh, and so the fact that the, 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 the elders have this harp or lyre just adds to the scene of festive worship and, and praise of God. But they also have, and I think this is really beautiful, they also have a golden bowl of incense. Now, incense was part of the, um, it was part of the Old Testament ritual in the temple. And the incense would be sprinkled on the altar by the priest, and then the smoke of the incense would rise upward and supposedly symbolizing, let's put it that way, symbolizing the, the, the offering going upward to God, and it was a pleasing aroma. That means the, the, the offering was pleasing to God. It was acceptable to Him. Well, here the bowls of incense are explained as the prayers of the saints. And so the prayers of the saints are depicted in a similar fashion as the smoke of the incense that ascend to God. The prayers are going up to God, and He delights in the prayers of His people as they go up to Him. But I don't think in this context that the prayers are simply prayers in general. I mean, it's probably true that you know, all prayers are pleasing to God and God desires us to come before him with our, with our prayers. But in this context, I believe these prayers are the prayers of God's people who have been crying out for justice and for the coming of God's kingdom. It's like the cry of the martyrs 
in Revelation chapter 6 and verse 10. How long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And the martyrs are crying out, Lord, how long before you, you, you bring justice for what's happened? And you can only imagine the people over in Syria and other parts of the world crying out in that way. Lord, how long? How long? When will you bring justice? When will your kingdom come? And so they are worshiping God because the prayers of God's people for his kingdom has now come. You see the context here? Oh, Lord, when is your kingdom going to come? Well, it's going to come now because the son, the, 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 the lamb has taken the scroll and he's about to open it to bring in the conclusion. And then the 24 and the living beings and the 24 elders join in song together. They sang a new song. Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. The expression to sing a new song is found in several times in Scripture and sing to the Lord a new song throughout the Psalms. And it's always a song of praise for a, for a new work of God. And obviously the new work of God here for which we are to, they are to sing a new song is the work of God in bringing in his kingdom. And, and the basis for the praise is worthy art thou to take the book and to break its seals. They are joining together in songs of praise because in all of creation, only the Lamb is worthy to open the scroll and implement the contents of the scroll. And the reason he is worthy, the reason he is able to do this, and he alone, the reason that he alone is able to do this is because you were slain, they say, the sacrificial death of the Lamb of God for the sins of the world, and you purchase for God with your blood, and the word purchase means to pay the price of release for someone in bondage, and the price is his blood, his death, and so the lamb in his death has purchased for himself, and they say men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. The people of God are from every part of the human race people from every family group, people from every language group, every racial group, every nation group. And remember, when this vision was given to John at the end of the first century, that hadn't happened yet. The gospel had spread, basically, to Europe and such, but not to every tribe and tongue and kindred and nation. And yet, that's what, they, that's what these angelic beings praise him for because they now they know that the gospel is going to go to the whole world and the people of God will be people from around the world and not only did the lamb redeem them and but we read in verse 10 you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God and they will reign upon the earth in redeeming them he also made them made us his people to be part of his kingdom and unlike the world system of which we are now a part, the kingdom of God is enduring and lasting for eternity. And through his redeeming death, we are part of his eternal and righteous kingdom. And he has also made us priests to our God 
The idea here is that through his death, we now all have access to God, just as it was in the Old Testament, that only the priest had the privilege of going before God. Now we are priests as God's people, and we can come to him directly, and we have access to him. And he says they will reign upon the earth, not only part of his kingdom, but we will actually share in his rule in the kingdom. And now John sees others who are part of the worship of God, and he sees the angelic host joining in in this worship of the Lamb. Verse 11, And I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders. The angels were surrounding the living creatures and the elders. And the number of them was myriads of myriads, myriads and thousands of thousands. John attempts to describe the number of the angelic beings that he sees assembled around the throne and the living beings and the elders. And he, and he says myriads of myriads. And a myriad is 10,000. And so myriads of myriads would be 10,000s of 10,000s. Now, if it was just one ten thousand of ten thousand, it'd be a hundred million. But plural ten thousands of ten thousands would be hundreds of million. And then he said thousands of thousands, and it would be millions more. In other words, he didn't count them. It's an inestimable, inestimable and incomprehensible number of angelic beings that surround the throne, that join in this praise. And they say saying with a loud voice, adding to the majesty of the scene, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. The angels are saying, the Lamb is worthy. The Lamb is worthy to be praised because he was slain because of his sacrificial death. And because of this, the idea is that he is worthy to be praised for what is inherently his, the angelic host pray, is praising him and ascribing to him all of the qualities that are his. Sovereign power, spiritual wealth, divine wisdom, irresistible might, exalted honor, the glory that is God alone, and the blessings due to him. The angelic host praises the Lamb. And yet there's another response to the Lamb in verses 13 and 14. And every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them. John now sees beyond the four living beings, beyond the 24 elders, beyond the innumerable angelic host, somehow all creation now participates in this worship. But just who does this include, every created thing? Well, some would say it is it, it, it just it refers to only intelligent creation. Only intelligent creation, which would mean humans and angels. Although some humans aren't very intelligent, but that, that's, that's beside the point. But um, uh, only intelligent creation. Others say that it, would, that it includes animate creation as well. That it would include animals, humans and angelic beings and animals. And still others say it includes the inanimate as well as the animate. Well, I can't be dogmatic here. 
But I'll tell you what I think. I think the vision includes the most comprehensive scope. All of creation, all humans, redeemed and unredeemed, all angelic beings, including the fallen beings, and the creation itself, inasmuch as Paul says all creation groans in anticipation of the redemption. Somehow creation is personified, looking forward to that, that coming of the kingdom. And Isaiah says, The mountains and the hills will birth forth into song before you, and the trees of the field will clap their hands. This vision, somehow, I don't understand it fully, But somehow it pictures all of creation joining in praise. This is what they say to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And so now, whereas before the the previous two groups were focusing on the Lamb, in chapter 4 they focused on the one on the throne, and now here they are combined to the one who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. Father on the throne and Jesus the Lamb are praised together. And again, it is ascribed to them what they already possess, blessing and honor and glory and dominion. All creation says they are worthy of all this. And for how long? Forever and ever. Literally, it is unto the ages of the ages. Ages multiplied by ages, unending. And then in verse 14, this part of the vision now concludes, and the four living creatures kept saying, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshipped. The four living beings affirm and say, Yes, let it be, let it be forever. And the antiphonal worship between the living beings and the elders and the angelic host and all of creation, it it just continues. So, what does all this mean? What do we have in this vision of the Lamb? We have a picture of rapturous, universal praise and worship and adoration of the Father and the Son. Jesus is weeping because no one can open the scroll. And if that's true, then God's purposes will be defeated. The angel announces that one is worthy the lion of the tribe of Judah. And then John sees a sacrificial lamb slain yet alive, Jesus who died yet triumphantly defeated death. And the lamb takes to himself the scroll to open it and execute the contents of the scroll, meaning that he will defeat the enemies of God and bring God's kingdom to this world. And in response to this, the four living beings and the 24 elders fall prostrate in worship, bringing to fulfillment the prayers and cries of God's people for justice and his kingdom. And they praise the Lamb for redeeming people from every nation and every group. And then antiphonally, the innumerable angelic host joins in the praise. And then all of creation somehow joins in this praise of the Lamb and the one on the throne. It is difficult to imagine how a scene of greater praise is conceivable. 
But remember the context. Remember the context for this praise. What is it that elicits such rapturous praise? It is the one who is worthy to open the scroll. That's what brings on the praise. The one who is worthy through his sacrificial death to defeat Satan and sin and death. And the one who as the lion of the Judah is able to rule sovereignly over all creation. The one who will finally bring God's righteous kingdom to this world. And it is the certainty of the establishment of God's righteous kingdom that brings forth the praise. The certainty of the establishment of God's righteous kingdom. And this should be instructive to us. What this tells us is that the ultimate blessing and promise of God does not come in this life. Our hope should be in the Lord and his eternal kingdom. Our hope is not in any political party, any earthly ruler, in any treaty or united nations, as necessary as those things may be. But our hope is in the Lord, and our hope is in his coming kingdom. And this vision gives us the certainty of his coming kingdom because the lamb is worthy. And the lamb is worthy because of his sacrificial death on the cross. And this is what we want to remember this morning as we observe the Lord's table. In the midst of this fallen world, the pain, the heartache, the struggles that we face in the midst of the fallen world and the pain and the heartache and struggles of those who face persecution even for their very lives. May our faith and our hope be in him and his promise to us for eternity. Worthy is the Lamb.